Hi, I'm Jackie. And I'm Candice. Welcome to WTF Women Talk Finance, a podcast where we take a simplified approach to all things finance, including investing, a topic we believe women don't talk about enough. We'll be speaking to women from all walks of life whose experience will help us frame some of the issues and challenges that women face every day in business. Maybe you're starting your own company, thinking about real estate. We'll have experts on the show to talk about what you need to know. Whether you're in your 20s or your 50s, we want to help you invest in your future starting today. I'd like to give a quick disclosure before we begin our conversation. This overview is for informational purposes only. We might include some projections and those should not be relied upon for the purpose of investing. Past performance is not indicative of future results and any investments we mention are meant for accredited investors only. And any offer can only be considered upon review of a prospectus and relevant offering documentation. So please keep this in mind as we move through this overview and remember that these are our opinions only. In a way, Millennials are part of a vast and accidental social experiment. Keenan Fickery, the director for research at the Economic Innovation Group, previously told Insider, we've never launched an entire generation with so much financial baggage. With that opening quote, (laughs) there's a lot there. We are going to focus our conversation today on millennials, which right now fall into the age category 26 to 41, and talk about kind of the ramifications of the Great Recession and kind of where we're headed again into another potentially mini or whatever we want to call it. We don't know, right? Another recession. Um, But there are a lot of issues um, around, you know, insecurity of financial circumstances. A lot of these millennials are moving into leadership positions within their companies or with even within policy within the government. And I think there's a lot to unpack here with kind of the millennial mindset around finances, around buying a home, around spending, saving, investing. So let's let's have a chat on it. Woo, dive on in. Okay. Uh, Shout out to all our fellow millennial babies out there. Hey. Um, No, this is, it is, it's kind of a constant topic. I also think pop culture generally forgets what age group millennials are. My husband's a millennial at 41 years old. Uh, I don't think that when there's these blatant remarks about millennials being frivolous and irresponsible that they're considering that my 41-year-old super uh, normal uh, dad of two kids um, is in that category. In fact, the youngest of millennials are 26. Uh, Millennials, I, I... being, you know, we're both millennials. We are. I feel like we're actually this incredible group of people. We, uh, as we've mentioned in other shows, we came of age during the Great Recession. Our, many of us were just entering the workforce. Um, uh, those of us on the older side of the millennials, we were we were in the workforce for some time or just stepping into the workforce when the Great Recession hit. We had so so much happened financially at that time when we were still developing and still learning habits. I think in a lot of ways, most of us probably have some really unique codes, mental messaging around money. I'm guessing, unfortunately, a lot of it is about scarcity um, because that was such a critical time for us to be learning those skills, learning about money, managing our what little money we probably were making at the time, or maybe a lot of money, um, making financial decisions. There were some young or 
on the older side of millennials, but at the time they were young, maybe buying a house at the height of that before it crashed. I know I have friends who are elder millennials who, who bought at the height. Who bought at the height. Because that's what our generation has been told to do. Well, speaking of codes, when we were young, I mean, it was the American dream, right? You grow up, you get a job, you get married, you buy a house, you have 2.2 kids, there's the car in the driveway, the dog in the house, and a white picket fence. And that's the dream. And you build your equity in your home. The Great Recession taught us that equity in a home can go poof. And so around those codes, all of a sudden, there was a whole lot of confusion and maybe recoding. And there's a statistic that says, this was is from Investopedia Insights and how the financial crisis has affected millennials. They say the Great Recession has had a lasting effect on millennials, including fewer jobs available, decreased savings, and a reluctance to purchase homes, of course. Not only because we saw equity dissipate overnight, but also home prices right now. Hello. We're still millennials and I would say Xers. We are paying the price for the recession still today. So I think we we have a general idea that I think most people realize home prices are through the roof right now. Even as sales are dropping, home prices are still really, really high. Um, the reason they're high is basic supply and demand. There's a shortage. There's a shortage of homes. Why is there a shortage of homes? The recession, the great recession. We actually really tightened up and did really minimal no development. Little development, little building for about 10 years. For about a decade. We lost a decade of building, of adding to our supply. The other thing is we've really gotten down to this idea that urban sprawl is the only way to live. You have to have a single family home. And so I think it's just, it's been kind of this consistent messaging um, combined with continued damage from the Great Recession that's now kind of led us to this point. We still are paying that price. And since many of us either didn't have homes prior to the Great Recession just because of our age or the time we came of age to purchase a home was at the height of the market and maybe we lost our shorts, um, you know, and bought, which I do have friends who felt all, you know, they were so proud they were able to buy that house and then the housing market crashed and that was their first experience buying a home. And so there's this huge amount of just kind of financial trauma really that we have to recognize. The other piece is we, yeah, we had decreased earnings because of the the limited jobs available at that time. We lost several years of earning potential. Um, We also have more student loan debt. Yes. Of course, the generations coming up after us, unfortunately, are carrying that trend right on up. But we were really that opening generation of just astronomical um, saddling on oh my gosh the the student loan debt that generations before us had never seen before so we really came in during this difficult time however just like everything that kind of comes through you know trial i think that's what makes us great well one of these one of the other statistics is that so oldest millennials are heading into their 40s in 2022, which is just ugh, hard to say. <laughs> uh, 
Millennials are buying homes at a faster rate compared to other generational groups. So in spite of all of the hurdles, in spite of all the coding and recoding and confusion and debt, millennials are still buying homes at a faster rate than other generational groups. So what does this tell us? Millennials are resilient and probably more savvy and more well-equipped than they realize and then others give them credit for. I'd also venture to bet that millennials are savvier buyers, are, are savvier home buyers because of what we went through. I know in my home purchase, I was very, very, very cautious in in my most recent home purchase. Um, I, I bought the worst house, true, tri- truly, uh, the lowest possibly priced house per square foot. I love my home um, in the best neighborhood. And I made sure I had plenty of equity. I had a decent down payment. That's not the that's not the case for everyone, and certainly it's not necessarily the expectation. But I think because I was carrying these kind of lessons that I had learned, that I had watched uh, during the Great Recession, my purchasing decisions are very, very, very different, and I think very calculated because we rode through that. Your decisions, in other words, might be very well informed by past like, uh oh, that's not that didn't turn out the way I was told it was going to turn out. Right. And I think still at the end of the day, so millennials have this kind of it's it's kind of a joke, I think, of older generations of how we still live at home with our parents um, that I don't. I, I don't either. Just want to make that But really I did clear. for a long time, and I actually moved back in with my parents for a time in, in between homes. Not in your 30s, though. In my 30s. Okay. I did. I moved back in uh, to – I was in between my houses. I had – That's okay. Yeah. That's true. You did. I did. Yeah. I did know that. And I was able to, you know, uh, buy, my, buy my house, which was great. Um, I paid rent and, you know, all the things. <laughs> But I think we have to reframe how we think about this, right? We do have to reframe it um, and figure out if that messaging of got to move right out, buy that house, have this perfect life, blah, 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 is still the messaging that we want to give. Do, do the younger generations still have to pay that price? And I think that's something we as millennials can also set and decide because I think we are living to this expectation that boomers decided, and now when we're not living up to maybe what they want us to live up to. So what <laughs> are we creating for the Gen Zs and for those that are coming after us? What message are we giving them? I don't know. And I'm a little concerned because I don't know that we quite have it figured out. Maybe, I don't know. Let's, our audience, I would love to hear a few things. One, do you own a home? Or are you in that millennial category and do you own a home? Next question, do you want to? If you don't, do you want to? Do you plan on buying a home? What is part of your messaging and your coding right now? And what can we do to kind of change the narrative to make it a more financially healthy and supportive dialogue for those groups that are coming after us? And culturally, it's very American to not live at home with your parents after 18. That's a very American culture idea. Um, most cultures, you would, you know, most other countries, you you do stay 
as a family unit for, for much longer. It's, it's an expanded time. Um, so there's this American idea, that American dream idea. And we saw kind of what the American idea, American dream idea did leading to the Great Recession. And that was a pretty big punishment, right? And I'm not saying it was the American dream that led to that punishment, but the way that that was structured, and if you haven't seen The Big Short, that's a great movie that explains what did happen, um, what led to that crash. That movie is really easy to digest for pretty much any knowledge level. Um, it's it's great. Um, but I think there's there's room for us to grow and expand. We're seeing this increase in multi-generational housing coming about in the U.S. That's a very new concept for the U.S. It's not for other countries, but multi-gen housing is definitely on the rise and they're seeing this need not only for younger adults to stay at home maybe a little bit longer while they're dealing with this massive student loan debt and trying to somehow save at the same time for a home and build up their career, but also older generations as they no longer can necessarily care for a huge home themselves. Moving mom and dad back into your house. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, there is this big push for multi-generational housing, which I think could be a huge part of that solution. Perhaps just um, encouraging flexibility in mindsets around homeownership. Maybe homeownership is the right decision for you. Okay, then what does that ideal home for you look like? Maybe it doesn't need to be the biggest, the newest, the whatever. Maybe some flexibility around what type of home is right for you. And maybe some flexibility around whether homeownership is even the path you want to go. Maybe there are other options. Maybe you want roommates. Maybe you want to stay in your family unit. Maybe you want to explore other living arrangements or travel, whatever. And perhaps just inviting flexibility and dialogue around, really, there's a lot of different options for living environments, living situations. It doesn't need to be turn X years old, go get a house. And get the most perfect pimped out house. I think that's the (laughs) – and roommates are – Loves a pimped out. Loves a pimped out. (laughs) Pimp my house. Um, So – I and I love that. And I think that's super true. And I think changing the expectation too. It used to be that you could buy a home on a single income and you'd have the white picket fence house. The home I grew up in, my dad bought – I looked it up. He bought it in uh, 94 for I think 180000 It's a great house. It's like exactly what you would imagine. Corner house, little white picket fence, cute little lawn. Um, it was a great house. He was able – my dad was a, a decent income earner. He was able to buy that on, on a single income. It was a very normal block to grow up on, kind of that traditional – you'd see it in a sitcom, I'm sure. Today, that exact same house, I actually looked it up. It's um, it's it's comps are in the eight hundred thousand dollar range. So I was in ninety four. Um, that's not feasible necessarily for a single income household to buy that home. By the way, that home is now thirty years older too. So it's now an older home with much bigger needs, and the price point is has grown so high. Um, you couldn't really feasibly buy that on one income. Um, So it's just, I think we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace. We need to evaluate, like you said, what is the right way to purchase a home? And, And I think we've talked about it in past episodes. Getting a lender is one of the best places to go. I also think don't, don't try to time the market. First of all, nobody times the market. I don't I don't believe in that. I think a lot of people are really proud to say that they time the market. And I think what they really did was get lucky. 
Um, there are good buys in every market, but I think you need to be flexible enough to um, recognize um, what are your needs and what are your wants and what can you what can you manage responsibly? So the United States Senate's first millennial, John Ossoff, Georgia Democrat, spoke to NBC News and had the following to say. My generation works tirelessly, often with low pay and without benefits, and is the first generation in many decades where the American promise of upward mobility for middle and working class people is gravely jeopardized. That's why there's such political urgency in my generation that we do things differently. That business, as usual, risks the American dream for my generation and for the next generation. I think that's the point of today is millennials bear the brunt of the fallout from the business as usual, the American dream. And business as usual can be broken. It can be changed. Yes. We don't have to live this way. And I think we now are in a position of power. We're now in a position of um, influence. Influence. We're at an age where this is something that's that's in our control. We owe it to our younger generations. I don't want it to be, well, we went through it, so they get to go through it. Well, we had crippling student loan debt and astronomically high, you know, prices for first-time homes. They get to go through it too. I, I don't I don't believe in that. We we actually can make changes and make active steps towards finding affordability. And there should be affordable housing. There really should be. Um, and finding ways for access, you know, to education and finding ways for proper education around financial topics, because that's one thing that we just generally lack in our education system is general finance. Agreed. Which is why we have this podcast, Calling All Millennials. Join us in this conversation. You can find us on TikTok, Women TF Podcast. You can find us on rowcapitalgroup.com to see show notes. Go to the section for our blog. And you can email us with questions. We'd love to field your questions. Media at rowcapitalgroup.com. Thank you so much for this conversation today. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Every day you hear about people making money by investing in IPOs and startups. But what about you? These kinds of investments are simply not available to Main Street investors. At Rowe Capital Group, we are committed to providing access to strategic, early stage, primarily low market correlated investment opportunities. Accredited investors go to RowCapitalGroup.com for more information. Rowe Capital Group, empowering your financial journey.